This is an audio sermon recorded at the Church of Christ at Johnson Mill in Fayetteville, Arkansas. We are Christians seeking to worship God in spirit and in truth according to the New Testament. Come worship with us Sunday mornings at 1030 at 3801 Johnson Mill Boulevard. This morning I want to talk about uh, a story that we find in the chapter of 1 Kings chapter 13. Now in this chapter of the history of Israel, uh, how we get to this point is that after King David passed away, his son uh, Solomon became king. And then Solomon, after he died and passed the kingdom on to his son, Rehoboam, uh, his son Rehoboam became wicked and cruel to the people. And it's important for us to understand how the history of Israel plays out. And, and, and when he did that to, to the people and became cruel and increased their, their taxes and he, uh, he increased their labors and made life much more difficult for them, they, they revolted against him and the kingdom split. God split the kingdom from him. Uh, because he did not uh, listen to wise counsel. Instead, he listened to the counsel of his friends. And so that kingdom divided. Ten tribes migrated to the north, and they retained the name Israel, and ten, uh, two tribes, rather, uh, stayed in the south, and they retained the name Judah. And so you have the kingdom of Israel and Judah. So God's kingdom now has been divided. The people of Israel have been divided. And for the northern kingdom of Israel, God appoints a new king, Jeroboam. He, he got, this was a thing of God, and, and God... Uh, appointed Jeroboam as the king over Israel. Now, he had an opportunity to worship God and do things correctly, but he chose not to do those things. Instead, he set up idols. He created, it says uh, there in, in 1 Kings chapter 12, that he took counsel and he created two calves. He put one in Dan and he put one in Bethel, and he caused the people of Israel to go and worship these idols out of convenience. And that's a whole interesting story that we could spend time studying and examining this morning. But as he, he does this, God is very displeased because he causes the people to sin. They're worshiping now idols. And so he sends a man of God to him, a prophet. He sends over to him so that he will rebuke him and prophesy against these actions. And so we read in 1 Kings chapter 13, verse 1. And behold, there came a man of God out of Judah by the, by the word of the Lord unto Bethel. And Jeroboam stood by the altar to burn incense. So here we have this scene where this, this prophet, this uh, man of God, comes to the king Jeroboam. Jeroboam is standing there making these offerings and, and uh, these sacrifices, and this was a thing that was very displeasing to God. And so he prophesies against that altar, and he says, Upon thee, the prophets that are, that are doing this, your bones will burn upon this altar, because a king Jer- named Josiah would arise and he would do these things. And so he makes this prophecy about the destruction. Excuse me. He makes a prophecy about the destruction of this altar. And when he does that, he says, this is a sign that you shall know, uh, by which you shall know this will come to pass. And the altar rents rents apart, it rips apart, and the ashes pour out of that. And Jeroboam is angered by this. He stretches out his hand and he he says, arrest him, grab that man. And his hand dries up, it says, so that he could not pull it into him anymore. And so in that moment, he repents and he asks the man of God, he says, please, Pray to God on my behalf and ask for my hand to be restored. And God does that. And so his hand is restored. Well, Jeroboam is so happy about this. He's so thankful that this happened and he had his hand restored that he offers a reward to this prophet who came to prophesy against him. He offers him a reward now. He says, come back with me, come to my home, and I will give you a reward. But it's important for us to to note the response of the young prophet in verse 8. The man of God said to the king, If thou wilt give me half thine house, I will not go with thee, 
Neither will I eat bread nor drink water in this place, for so it was charged me by the word of the Lord, saying, Eat no bread, and drink no, drink, or drink no water, nor turn again by the same way that thou camest. So he went another way and returned not by the way he came to Bethel. So the prophet refuses the reward from the king. He says, So it was charged me by the word of the Lord. He received direct commandments from God to go and prophesy against this altar. And notice the other parts of that. Eat no bread, drink no water in this place, and go back a different way that you came. And so this was a commandment that came straight from God. God spoke this to him and gave him this instruction. And so he refuses and he goes back home, returns not by the way he came to Bethel. Well, there's an old prophet that lives there in Samaria that hears about this event. He hears about what happens with this prophet and what happens with this king and the prophesying he did against, uh, against that altar. And he asks his sons. His sons hear about it, and that's how he, he gets word. And so he tells his son, uh, you know, prepare the donkey, and they, he, they prepare it for him, and he goes and seeks him. In verse 14 we read, And he went after the man of God and found him sitting under an oak. And he said unto him, Art thou the man that, that camest from Judah? And he said, I am. And he said unto him, Come home with me and eat bread. And he said, I may not return with thee, nor go with thee. Neither will I eat bread, nor drink water with thee in this place. For so it was said to me by the word of the Lord, Thou shalt eat no bread, and drink no water there, nor turn again by the way that thou camest. So the man of God stands his ground. This old prophet comes to him and says, Come home with me, and eat bread, and drink water. And he says, No, I can't do that. That's not the commandment I received from God. So he relies on the commandment of God, and he stands his ground. Yet the old prophet does something and convinces him. In the next verse we read, He says, I am a prophet also as thou art. And an angel spake to me by the word of the Lord, saying, Bring him back with thee into thine house, that he may eat bread and drink water. This prophet used convincing words. But we know they were, they were false because the rest of that verse says, But he lied unto him. This prophet, for some reason or another, lies to this, this uh, man of God and convinces him to come back home with him. And so he does. He went back with him and did eat bread in his house and he drank water. Completely violated the commandment and the instruction that God gave him in the first place. Don't eat bread, don't drink water, and don't turn back. Go, go a different way. So instead he goes back down this old path with this prophet, goes into his home, eats bread, and he drinks water. And there... And he enjoys that meal there, and that would be his last meal. Because he disobeyed the commandment of the Lord, there was punishment and judgment uh, against him from God. In verse 24 through 26, we read, And when he was gone, a lion met him by the way, and slew him. And his carcass was cast in the way, and the ass stood by it, and the lion also stood by the carcass. And behold, men passed by and saw the carcass cast in the way. And the lion standing by the carcass, and they came and told it in the city where the old prophet dwelt. And when the prophet that brought him back from the way heard thereof, he said, It is the man of God, who was disobedient to the word of the Lord. Therefore the Lord hath delivered him unto the lion, which hath torn him and slain him according to the word of the Lord, which he spake to him. So the man of God is slain by a lion because of his disobedience. Now, notice that that lion didn't attack the donkey. It was just standing there. Is he had one sole purpose, was to execute the judgment that God had for this, old, for this prophet who disobeyed him. Because he listened to the voice of this old prophet who lied to him and told him something contrary. Notice that. God spoke directly to him, but this old prophet came and said, But an angel told me by the word of the Lord. And he didn't bother to check. He didn't bother to, to uh, 
think about this, that he didn't receive this commandment from God. So he listens to him, and he loses his life for that. So this account, as we, as we read this account here in 1 Kings chapter 13, is actually very important, and I, there's three things that I want to point out from this, uh, from this story that we can learn. They're important concepts that we should pay attention to as Christians. So what can we learn? What is beneficial for us to draw out from this story? Well, first of all, we need to know that God has spoken. The same way he spoke to that young prophet, that, that man of God, that he was sent to do a, a certain task and to obey the commandments of God, God gave him those commandments directly. God has spoken to us directly through his word. He gives us the instructions. He gives us the commandments that he expects us to be, obey. And that comes directly from God. The, the scriptures say that all scripture is inspired by God. And all scripture comes directly from God to us for our benefit. And so the things that he's given us in the New Testament are commandments that come from God. And these commandments regulate how we gain salvation, how we are to worship God, and how we should conduct our lives in holiness. And so God has spoken in these three areas. We know God has said in Colossians chapter 2, now there's many verses we could read about salvation, but I want to point out Colossians chapter 2. It says, In whom also you are circumcised with the circumcision made without hands. This is a spiritual process that is taking place in the putting off of the body of sins by the flesh of the circumcision of Christ, buried with him in baptism, wherein also you are risen with him through the faith of the operation of God, who hath raised him from the dead. And you, being dead in your sins and the uncircumcision of your flesh, has he quickened together with him, having forgiven you all trespasses. The Bible is very clear on the instruction we receive about salvation. God has spoken in regards to salvation. This is the method that he has employed and uses to join us together with Christ, to remove our sins and to forgive us. It's all centered on the gospel, the death, the burial, and the resurrection of Christ. And if a person wants to be saved, they must die with Christ, must be buried into Christ's death, and be raised up through the power of God into the now, into this new life that, that we should live. So God has ordained that and regulated that. Now in worship, God has also given us instructions. He says in John chapter 4, 23-24, He says, But the hour cometh, and now is, when the true worshipers shall worship the Father in spirit and in truth. For the Father seeketh such to worship Him. God is a spirit, and they that worship Him must worship Him in spirit and in truth. So these are the two components that we need that are necessary when we're talking about worshiping God, and God has spoken in regards to this. This is what He wants. He's also spoken in regards to our conduct. We're supposed to live holy lives. We're supposed to act in holiness and, and conduct ourselves in a way that is appropriate and in align, uh, alignment with the Scriptures. In 1 Peter chapter 1, 14-16, it says, As obedient children, not fashioning yourselves according to the former lusts in your ignorance, but as he which hath called you is holy, so be ye holy in all manner of conversation. That means conduct. Because it is written, Be holy, for I am holy. So God wants us not to conduct ourselves and to uh, create our lives or fashion our lives. You know that image that I, that I get there of when he says not fashioning yourselves is like somebody with a, a slab of marble and it has a hammer and a chisel and is, is chiseling out this, this sculpture and this statue and they're carving out this image. And God instructs us to not, not fashion ourselves. Don't create your life and model your life after your, your former lusts and our ignorance. We came out of sin. He says don't fashion your life according to that. But instead, conform yourself to the holiness of God. Live holy because God is holy. Be like the Father. This is what he's, the commandments that he's given us, and 
The things that we find in the New Testament regulate these areas of, of salvation, of worship, and of our conduct. Now, we're familiar with these things, and we know these things, and we study these things quite regularly. But the, the next important thing I want to draw out from this story and, and spend a little more time on is the fact that false prophets will speak. Just like this, this man of God that was instructed to do a task and received commandments directly from God, he was going about minding his business, doing his, his work that he needed to do, following, following the way of God. And here comes this prophet that lies to him and convinces him otherwise. And, and the truth is that in our lives as Christians, false teachers are going to come. False teachers are going to misdirect us. False prophets are going to come and speak to us and try to convince us. We're going to meet people out in the world that, just like this, this prophet, this young man of God, we're going to meet these teachers that come to us and say, I'm a Christian just like you are. I'm a believer just like you are. I, I, I listen and read the Bible just like you do. And they'll come to us and convince us with, with uh, these good words and fair speeches, and they'll open up the Scriptures and say, you see, the Bible says this. Isn't that what the old prophet did to the young man? I'm a prophet just like you. And an angel spoke to me by the word of the Lord, and he convinced him. So we have to be extremely careful not to be fooled by the false prophets and the false teachers that are out in the world. You know, in the early uh, church in the first century, you see, the Jews had come out of the, the system of the law, and God commanded, it was, it was instructed for them to be circumcised on the eighth day, and that was a, a sign that they were part of the covenant of God. That was a commandment that God gave to Abraham, and that carried on into the law, and they did that. And they, had a lot of, they put a lot of uh, value and a lot of respect into whether a person was circumcised or not. And so when the, when the New Testament church was established, uh, as the prophecies of the Old Testament uh, clearly said over and over again that this new king was going to gather people from all nations unto him and create out of these two nations, the Jews and the non-Jews, uh, one people and one flock. That was prophesied over and over again. The Jews missed that, and they continued to cling to these practices of the law. And so when the church began and Gentiles started to be converted, these non-Jewish people started to be converted and were entering into the church, the Jews began to impose upon them this act of circumcision. And they said, you must be circumcised. In Acts chapter 15, there was a, a, it kind of comes to a head there, and there's a big debate uh, between the, the apostles and the, the elders at, at Jerusalem and uh, these uh, Pharisees, these Judaizers who had come and were trying to impose this teaching on, on the Gentiles now. And so it, it's a very interesting passage, and it's very important for us to understand that, that context and how it impacts the rest of the, the New Testament and the letters that Paul wrote. Uh, but these Judaizers came and said, these Gentiles are being converted into the church, but they need to follow the law of Moses if they want to be saved. They need to be circumcised. Physically, they need to be circumcised and follow the law of Moses if they want to be saved. Now, that wasn't a commandment that the Holy Spirit gave the apostles. That was not an ordinance that was, that was carried in, into the New Testament. That wasn't something that the Holy Spirit commanded or, or God instructed for, for salvation. We read about the circumcision that God instructed in Colossians chapter 2. It's a circumcision of the heart. It's a spiritual act. It's a spiritual circumcision. And God is the one who removes uh, our, sinful, uh, our sin from us and our sinful uh, flesh, he says. He, he says he's removed that from us, that desire for sin, and he's created us new to be renewed in life. Well, Paul, when he wrote to the Galatians, the whole book of Galatians, uh, is a, there's a lot of pleading from Paul to the people 
uh, to the Galatians, to the Christians in that region. There's a lot of pleading to them to understand there is no significance in circumcision. There is no weight or value of, of spiritual significance in circumcision and that they didn't need to do this. And if they did and they put their trust in that act, then they were falling away from Christ. And he notice the words he uses here in, in Galatians chapter one, verse six through nine. He says, I marvel. Paul was shocked and surprised that you are so soon removed from him that called you into the grace of Christ to another gospel. He said, I'm so surprised that you are so quickly swayed by some other teaching that has, has come along from these, from these Judaizers who want you to follow the commandment of, of Moses and be circumcised. He says, it's not another gospel. He said, but it, if there, there are some that would trouble you and would pervert the gospel of Christ. So they used the, the gospel of Christ as a cloak to come into the church and to start teaching this and pushing this on people. And he was surprised that people were so soon removed out of the way. He says, but though we or even an angel from heaven would preach any other gospel to you than that which we have preached unto you, the apostles, let them be accursed. As we said before, so say now I again, if any man preach any other gospel unto you than, than that you have received, let him be accursed. Paul does not mince his words when he talks about these false teachers that would come in and teach these doctrines. He says, if any person comes to you and teaches some other way, some other gospel, some perverted message of the gospel of Christ, don't listen to him. Let him be accursed. Reject that message. And so today, as, as the first century church grew and it developed and history goes on, we see the departures from the apostles' doctrine. We see the departures that, that people have taken from the scriptures and the New Testament commandments that God has given us. You know, today, there's people that continue to practice baptizing infants. I myself was baptized as an infant because I was raised in the Catholic doctrines, and I didn't know about that. Somebody had to tell me about that. I didn't make a choice to be baptized. I didn't make a commitment to follow Christ. I didn't have sin in my life. I was a child, uh, yet this isn't instructed in the scriptures. Yet millions of people follow this practice, thinking that they're somehow spiritual or that they're safe now in God or that they're saved or part of the covenant of God. This is not an ordinance that God has commanded. There's many millions of others that say we ought to say a sinner's prayer, let God into our heart, and that's how we're saved. And then later on, you know, baptism just has no weight and it, that doesn't matter. Yet that practice is not uh, instructed in the scriptures. There's no place in the scriptures that, that say we ought to do a sinner's prayer. And yet there's many people that come to us and say, well, I'm a believer just like you. I follow the Bible just like you. And then they teach us these doctrines. Don't be fooled by the, by the false prophets that come to us in our lives. They have good words that sound good. The doctrines, they sound like they make sense, but they actually have no weight in the scriptures. We need to be very careful about that. And the way we do that is by remembering and knowing what the Bible actually says. Paul told Timothy in 2 Timothy 2, verse 15, Study to show thyself approved unto God, a workman that needeth not to be ashamed, rightly dividing. That means you are able to, to rightly dissect it and apply it, and you know how to study and examine the Scriptures. For what? Uh, for what reason? So that you can shun profane and vain babblings, for they will increase unto more ungodliness. If we follow a, a practice that is not instructed by the Scripture, that is a, a profane and a vain babbling. 
That is a false doctrine that will lead us astray. Notice what he says. They will increase unto more ungodliness. So it might sound like you're doing something spiritual. It may sound like you're doing something that is honoring God. But if it's not rooted in the scriptures, it will only lead you to more ungodliness. Satan is very crafty. Satan is very tricky in making us feel safe with the things that we're practicing in our life. But we need to know, are they the direct commandments from God found in the New Testament, or are they not? If we don't, it's only going to lead us to more ungodliness. Sin will grow sin. Sin will beget sin. Uh, John, 1 John chapter 4, verse 1. And notice how, how often Paul and the apostles are saying this type of thing. You need to be careful. You need to watch out. You need to know the scriptures so that you're not deceived. He says in 1 John chapter 4, verse 1, Beloved, believe not every spirit, but try the spirits, whether they are of God. Why? Because many false prophets are gone out into the world. Don't believe everything that a quote-unquote Christian person comes and tells you. Don't just be comfortable with them because they tell you that they're a Christian just like you. Be, be watchful and be careful. Don't let your guard down. It's okay if we, if, if we have common ground with people. I mean, that's a plus. If somebody says they believe in God and they believe in the Scriptures, that's at least a plus, and maybe that's common ground, and we use that to go, uh, we go from there and we start studying what the Bible actually says. But be very careful and on guard and, and don't just feel comfortable and to, uh, to the point that you're accepting everything that they tell you. Try the spirits and test them against the Word of God. And if, if they're not teaching things that are in accordance to God, you need to be very careful with that relationship. We know what God says about salvation uh, because people come along and they want to teach us different methods. This is what he says. We're buried within the baptism. That's the circumcision of Christ. We read that for ourselves in Colossians chapter 2 already. That's what God says about salvation. Don't believe these false prophets that come and teach us different ways to be saved. There's only one way. There's simply no other way that can, can be possible because that's not what God has ordained. Now, the same thing is true about our worship. Today, there's a lot of people that profess to be Christians and they hold different beliefs and they hold different practices and they practice different things than, than the scriptures would have us to do. And people come along and say, it doesn't matter what your faith is. It doesn't matter how you practice. It doesn't matter how you worship. So long as you have a sincere heart about it. We read for ourselves that God requires spirit and truth, not just one. We can't just be sincere about it. We need to be sincere and, and know that it comes from the scriptures. And so we might hear people come along and say, you know, if you do that, that's not a salvation issue. And they use that to diffuse an argument and, and basically say, well, we can both hold our different beliefs about this particular passage or about this practice, and that we'll be, we're both correct. It just doesn't matter in the sight of God. That's what people say. And it's thrown out to make doctrine seem like they're really not that important. That we're really, we're both, we're, we're making a big deal about something that's not that important. But there's no scripture in the New Testament that isn't a salvation issue. If, if we are following something that's incorrect or we're teaching something that's incorrect, that's a salvation issue. God isn't very happy with us if we are teaching something incorrectly. God isn't very pleased if we're adding or taking away from his word. So absolutely, everything in the New Testament is a salvation issue. Um, and so don't be fooled by people that come along and tell us these things. Paul warned the church in Romans chapter uh, 16. You know, even the verse prior, he says, the churches of Christ salute you. He says, Brethren, I beseech you, mark them which cause divisions 
and offenses contrary to the doctrine that you have learned, and avoid them. For they are such that serve not the Lord Jesus Christ, but their own belly, and by good words and fair speeches deceive the, they deceive the heart of the simple. If, if we're not wise in the Scriptures and have knowledge and are growing in our knowledge of the Scriptures and know the, how to spot these false doctrines that are out there being taught, we're going to be those that are deceived by these good words and these fair speeches. Paul warned the church to pay attention to people that are causing divisions and offenses that are contrary to what they had learned. If there's people out there teaching different things, he says, be careful, mark them, and avoid, avoid those things. Uh, you know, this, is, this next passage we're going to read in 2 Corinthians is actually pretty terrifying. Uh, Paul had a lot of trouble with, with people going out pretending to be apostles. And they were taking advantage of people, and I think they were trying to take money from them. Paul refused to take money from some of these churches when he was working in an area. He would take money from other places to continue to, to live and to be supported to do the work. But when he was working in an area, like, the, like in Corinth, he wouldn't take money from them directly. He would let other congregations support his work. And he did that for a very specific reason. And, I, and as he explains in, in these, in these uh, letters in 2 Corinthians, it sounds like he had a lot of trouble with people trying to, to claim they were apostles and they were abusing uh, the brethren there and taking money from them. And he talks about these false apostles. He says, For such are false apostles. They're deceitful workers. They're transforming themselves into the apostle of Christ. And no marvel, for Satan himself is transformed into an angel of light. Therefore it is no great thing if his ministers also be transformed as the ministers of righteousness, whose end shall be according to their works. When Paul described these false apostles that were going around causing this trouble in the church, and for him and for the other apostles, notice what he says. He says it's no surprise that people are out there doing that. Satan himself transforms into an angel of light. Satan himself can appear as an angel of light and can make us believe that, that a doctrine is from God and it seems godly and it seems righteous. That's terrifying. That Satan is capable of that level of deceit. He's that good at being a master of, of craftiness and deceit and of identity theft, that he can make himself look like he's righteous. He says, therefore, it's no great thing if his ministers also be transformed. If Satan can do that, it's no surprise that the workers of Satan can make themselves appear as if they're following righteousness. So it's very terrifying to think about that. So when we're talking about worship practices, we need to be very careful. And, and this is, doesn't just apply to worship, but in all aspects of the doctrines of God, we need to be very careful that people coming to us, although they seem righteous, we need to be very, very careful and, and go back to the scriptures and check against the scriptures. Second uh, Timothy chapter six verses three through five. Paul warned. He says, "If any man teach otherwise and consent not to wholesome words, even the words of our Lord Jesus Christ, and to the doctrine which is according to godliness, he is proud, knowing nothing, but doting about questions and strives of words, whereof cometh envy." strife, railings, evil surmisings, perverse disputings of men of corrupt minds, destitute of the truth, supposing that gain is godliness. From such withdraw thyself. Paul warned greatly about, about teachers that would come and use righteousness. They're not consenting to wholesome words, the words of Christ or the apostles. They were consenting to other words, men of corrupt minds. They were trying to get gain. And, and, and they supposed that gain is godliness. 
it's no surprise to us that we see that same thing happening in our, in our day, in our time. This was happening back then. It continues to happen throughout time. It happens in our day, and it's going to continue happening because false teachers are going to take advantage of people who are trying to live faithfully to God. And that's why we need to be on guard by knowing the scriptures, knowing what the doctrines teach. Uh, you know, people today twist the Bible, and they say, the Bible teaches this. One particular thing that comes to mind when I read this passage is all the, the televangelists that you see on the TV standing up there uh, day after day telling people that God wants them to be rich and God wants them to be wealthy and God wants to, your dreams to come true and, and they're just collecting millions and millions of dollars from their viewers and from the people that attend those, those kinds of churches. And it's sad because people are getting ripped off. They're not getting the truth of the scriptures. They're just getting their money taken by some guy who wants to live a lavish lifestyle. So don't be content to just believe anybody that comes along with the Bible or flip the TV on or flip the radio on without paying attention and seeing if they're actually teaching the truth. Just because they're on the TV or the radio doesn't mean they're, they're teaching the right things. Uh, there's a lot of things on the TV and the radio that, that aren't you know, the, the correct things we ought to be consuming in our lives in the first place, but, but these guys are, are charlatans teaching false doctrines. So, so don't be content with that. Check it against the Scriptures. Find out whether the Bible teaches us or not. Uh, you know, that man of God blindly followed this prophet because he came along and he said, well, an angel told me by the word of the Lord. And that young man didn't bother to check and think, well, you know what? I received commandments directly from God, and he didn't tell me that it was changed now. He didn't tell me that all of a sudden now it's okay for me to go back to this old way and eat this bread and drink this and, and do these things that I, that I wanted to do. He, didn't, he hadn't changed that, so... We need to be very careful about this because if we don't pay attention, we'll get caught up. As, as Paul warned the church in Romans chapter 16, the hearts of the simple will be deceived. And if that happens to us, then we're going to be guilty of, of vain worship. There is such a thing as worshiping God incorrectly. People over and over and over again in the world want to tell you that there's no incorrect way to worship God. But Jesus said there was in Matthew 15, 8 through 9. He says, This people draweth nigh to me with their mouth and honor me with their lips, but their heart is far from me. In vain do they worship me, teaching for doctrines the commandments of men. They had replaced the, the doctrines of God with the commandments of men. And Jesus says, for that reason, they were not sincere in their life. They weren't actually living holy lives. They were just paying lip service and, and saying that they were honoring God. But he says their heart was far from him. And they were worshiping him in vain. So we need to be certain about our worship. And we can be because of what we find in the New Testament. Don't be fooled into vain worship. And when it comes to conduct, there's a whole lot of false prophets out there, a lot of voices out there. And sometimes we get comfortable because we, we see people that we think are, are religious, we think they're, they're Christians, or they follow Christian doctrines, and maybe we respect them somewhat, and then we see them participating in sins and, and things that might be sinful, and, and uh, we just kind of get comfortable with them. We get lax with that, and we just kind of put that off. Don't get deceived by this conduct. Romans chapter 13, 11 through 14. Paul said in that knowing the time that now it is high time to wake out of sleep. For now is our salvation nearer than when we believed. The night is far spent. The day is at hand. Let us therefore cast off the works of darkness and let us put on the armor of light. Let us walk honestly as in the day, not in rioting and drunkenness. How many people that claim to be Christians today are 
they, they love to go party. They love to go drink. They love to get drunk. He says, not in chambering and wantonness. Chambering means sleeping around. A lot of young people today, a lot of, a lot of uh, people that profess to, to be Christians, they don't mind that lifestyle. They don't mind those actions, just going around, sleeping with whoever, living with whoever, unmarried. It's a whole lot of lewdness, wantonness, not in strife and in envying. Even those practices, strife and envying one another. Sometimes we see people act this way, and it might make us feel comfortable, but we need to be careful about those things. He says, instead of doing all that, cast off these works of darkness, wake up, it's daytime, it's time to act as if we're walking in the light. Put ye on the Lord Jesus Christ, and don't make provision for the flesh to fulfill the lust thereof. The church was warned over and over again to beware of these types of things. Paul wrote to the Colossians, Beware lest any man spoil you. That means to ruin you, to corrupt you, to make you rotten. Beware lest any man spoil you through philosophy and vain deceit, after the tradition of men, after the rudiments of the world, and not after Christ. Don't let these vain philosophers teach you things that are contrary to the will of God. There's a whole lot of that going on at schools, colleges, these, these professors that claim uh, or, or think that they are much wiser or much smarter than God. Or all these people, you know, there's a whole lot of, of uh, quote-unquote thought leaders that, that are on the radios or on podcasts or on, on television that sway people with their way of thinking. Don't be deceived by vain philosophy and vain deceit. Be persuaded to follow Christ and what the scriptures teach only. Uh, if we let ourselves get to this point, notice what he says in 1 John chapter 2, Love not the world, neither the things that are in the world. If any man love the world, the love of the Father is not in him. If we let ourselves be persuaded by the false prophets, it's going to cause us to fall away from the love of God. And, and he, says, he says the love of the Father is not in that person. He says, for all that is in the world, the lust of the flesh, the lust of the eyes, and the pride of life, that's not from the Father. That's of, of the world. And so if people come along to us wanting to convince us about conduct that is in aligned with flesh, that is, that is uh, following this path of lust of the flesh, lust of the eyes, and the pride of life, understand that doesn't come from God. Be careful of those things, reject those things, avoid those things, and instead rely on what the scriptures teach. This, this, this story of this young prophet, this uh, man of God, it's just warning after warning after warning that, that we can learn from this, this uh, story that tells us that we ought to be careful. We ought to be watchful. God has told us to live a new life, not indulge in the passions of the flesh, and to live in a new way, walk in a new path. And if we listen to the false prophets of the world, we're going to be guilty of what the young prophet was guilty of. And going back to our old way and indulging our flesh, we're going to eat that bread, we're going to drink that water in that place that God has told us not to do that. And, and he's, command, he's not given us those commandments. What happened to the young prophet, this young man of God, because he disobeyed the word of the Lord? Well, he left that man's house after indulging himself and participating in those things that God told him not to participate in. Going back in that way, he, he comes back in the way that God told him not to come back in and uh, had gone back, rather, to, to Bethel. And he comes out and a lion slays him. And that's the third thing that we ought to, to know and pay attention to. The lion will slay. 
He was killed by a lion because of, of disobedience. And this was a form of judgment from God. And if we choose to be disobedient when it comes to the commandments of salvation, when it comes to the commandments about how we worship God, when it comes to the commandments about how we uh, order our lives and how we conduct ourselves and behave ourselves in this world, then we should expect to be delivered to a lion as well. And, and you might be wondering what I mean by that. Revelation chapter 5, verse 5. One of the elders said unto me, Weep not, behold, the lion of the tribe of Judah, the root of David, hath prevailed to open the book and to loose the seven seals thereof. In this vision that John sees, notice the description that is given of Christ. He is the root of David. He is the one that prevails to open the book, the Lamb of God, but he's also called the lion of the tribe of Judah. Jesus Christ is that lion that we will meet in the way. We'll think we're safe. We'll think everything is good. We think we'll live a life of service to God or that we have lived a life of service to God, and we'll think that we're safe, but we're not. We'll go back out, and when it comes time of judgment, we will encounter the lion, and that is Christ. John chapter 5, verse 27, he has been given authority to execute judgment against all those who are faithful, or, or unfaithful, rather. He says he has given him authority to execute judgment because he is the Son of Man. And if we think we can fool God and follow along and do these things and we haven't paid attention, it's not going to be anybody's fault but our own fault if we didn't pay attention. Matthew chapter 7, 21, he says, Not everyone that says to me, Lord, Lord, shall enter into the kingdom of heaven. We can't just claim the name of Christ and say we're followers of His and expect to be given a reward of entering into the kingdom of heaven. He says, no, you can't just say these words. He says, he that doeth the will of my Father which is in heaven. Many will say to me in that day, Lord, Lord, have we not prophesied in thy name? And in thy name have cast out devils? And in thy name done many wonderful works? That sounds like good people. That sounds like people that lived good lives. They spent their life in service to, to, to Christ. They say, we did this all in your name. We prophesied, we taught in your name, we were casting out these devils in your name, and we've done many wonderful works in your name. And then I will profess to them, I never knew you. Depart from me, you that work iniquity. What a sad... What a sad outcome for all these many, Jesus says, that are going to happen this way in the last day. They have obeyed the, the voice of this false prophet. They have ignored the, the instructions of salvation. They have ignored the instructions about worship. They have ignored the things about, uh, of, of conduct that we find in the scriptures. And they have followed this old prophet thinking that, well, they were a Christian just like me. And they thought they were safe. But they met the lion, and the lion told them, I don't know who you are. And all those that don't belong to Christ will be cast out and will be slain. Luke chapter 19, 27. But those mine enemies, which would not that I should reign over them, they weren't interested in listening to the commandments of the king. They were interested in listening to the voice of the false prophet or to their own desires. Sometimes that's the other thing we need to point out. Sometimes we're the false prophet in our own lives deceiving ourselves into following our own desires. He says, Those mine enemies which would not that I should reign over them, bring hither and slay them before me. God has spoken. He's given us the commandments we should follow. Be careful of the false teachers that are out there 
that want to deceive us and, and misguide us and misdirect us from following the commandments of God because ultimately the lion will slay and we will an, uh, encounter a lion in the way if, if, uh, and that is Christ who will execute judgment. Now, I know this, this lesson as we go through this, you might feel like it has a negative tone and it's somewhat heavy. And I don't enjoy uh, pointing these things out and, and over and over and over again, pointing out the warnings that we find from the scriptures, but they're absolutely important for us. I'm not going to shun to teach you the warnings of the scriptures and, and the things that we all need to know as, as followers of Christ. If we want to be servants of the king, we need to know that we're serving him correctly from the commandments that he's given us. And so as, as negative as it might feel or as, as heavy as it might feel, please be refreshed by these things and be encouraged to know that it's possible for us to break free from these false prophets and to study only what the scriptures teach because that's what will give us life. That's what will give us hope. That's what will give us true salvation. That's what will help us to worship God properly, and that's what will help us to live our lives in holiness and be true followers of, of God. We hope you enjoyed this teaching from God's Word. To receive new sermons each week, subscribe on Google Play Music, iTunes, Spotify, and like us on Facebook. Thanks for listening, and God bless.